Okay, we're back. We're live. Welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night 5, a Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast on the Going for Two Live Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening on audio. And if you're watching here on YouTube, please make sure that you uh, subscribe to the channel, like the video, comment on it, feed that algorithm, etc., etc. I'm Brian Ford here, as always, with my co-host, Josh Walker. Josh, how you doing? actually doing really good this was the first saturday in a while i got to wake up and watch football you know we're still one week away from nfl but at least getting to watch colleges it's fun and a little exciting and the weather actually cooled off so it kind of lined up yeah you know it's uh we're in september the sun's setting a little earlier got my windows open instead of the air conditioning it's you know it's it's mixed for me right because that that means that it's usually going back to to work time but there's a longer story there that i'm going to tell you afterwards and then also, um, uh, you know, it's about to be cold weather and I effing hate the cold weather. So, um, like, it's it's very mixed for me. And, and honestly, I was talking to somebody last night and they were, like, identifying with it. Like, part of me is, like, you get football back and that's really cool, right? But now, it, like, everything's weekly and the turnaround is quick and the waiver yep. wires and the setting the lineups and, like – there's like some stress involved to it, you know, and it's like you've been arguing for months and you kind of are, are sick and you just want to see how things unfold, you know, like enough with the takes. Let's see what happens. But at the same time, it's like, ah, oh, now I got to fucking do waivers every Tuesday. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is by far the most leagues I've ever been in. So I'm excited. But at the same time, I don't think I've been hit, like you said, with the wave of anxiety of probably missing a few teams through the week. But I did prioritize mine on sleeper through like importance based on money. You know, Scott Fishbowl's up at the top. Things I don't want to miss, but I'm sure there's still going to be somewhere I miss. And I'm not ready for that, but I'm not even thinking about it. So. Oh, yeah. You were telling me in the sleeper app you can rearrange the order they appear in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can do it on desktop, but you definitely can on the app. I know you don't use the app, but it might be worth downloading just to. Oh, that, I'm, it is I'm on the app. I use it okay. some. It's just, you know, mostly on, on, on laptop because I'm old. Yeah. I'll show you after I'll show you after how to do it. I actually probably don't want to because I already have my spreadsheet set up in the order that it is on my desktop. Yeah, probably throw you <laughs> off. Yeah. All right. Jamie's in the chat. Always good to see you, Jamie. How's it going? Toronto Dave. Always good to see Toronto Dave. Uh, Tor- Toronto Dave, uh, it, uh, you know, you may or may not know that this is a a holiday weekend here in uh, in the U.S. south of your border. Uh, Labor Day weekend. No you in labor, by the way. Uh, and it's kind of our shitty excuse for, for May Day, which is the real international workers holiday. And it's kind of sad because May Day essentially kind of started, you, you know, with us, like in Chicago, you, you know, workers fighting for the eight hour day, you know, and the Haymarket incident and all that. And <laughs> and we just were like, nah, it's for commies. Let's do this stupid Labor Day thing. But anyway, uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, it, it is a holiday weekend for for Canada. What what is it? What yeah, you gotta put that in the chat and tell us, it's tell probably, us what it is. Might be the same one. They just celebrated there too. Huh? Maybe. Uh so for those of you who uh uh don't remember or are new to us, 
Dynasty Saturday Night Five, we use lists of five to, uh, you know, be the vehicle for the topic we want to talk about in Dynasty at that particular week. <laughs> he doesn't know what the <laughs> holiday is. That's great. Um, and so for this week, it's going to be uh, fallers. And I was going to make Jeff proud and have like free fallen, like just the phrase free fallen from Tom Petty, like on a drop, like that I would play from my phone because he can't do it in restream. But I just, that was too much effort. So, but anyway, uh, so that's going to be what we're, what we're covering tonight. Um, we had some scheduling issues. If, if you tuned in and you're expecting Jacob Sanderson to be a guest, we had some scheduling issues. And so we kind of finally nailed down um, September 16th with him. So we're going to be talking some running backs. And it'll be interesting too, because we'll, we'll have that added effect of kind of saying, okay, this is how we thought the running backs were going to shake out. Mm -hmm. And now we're also reacting to their week one usage. So that, that'll be interesting as well. So, do you want to talk about JT a little bit since we're talking about fallers or just... I, I think we should at least briefly touch on it. I don't yeah. have too much to say. Um, you know, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen. But at the same time, I can't help but buy the dip. Especially in Dynasty, like Redraft, I'm not touching him. Maybe 7th, 8th round. But, you know, who knows if it's... Especially with that organization, if it's going to be four weeks the whole season. But he's still young enough. And if he misses a season, he's still going to have plenty of juice in him. So... I say buy the dip. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, I saw a, a, a pretty good thread by uh, Seth Keller from uh, Fantasy Faceoff Network. You know, and you know, using the cognitive biases like uh, safety bias and things like that that go into like why we're scared to to draft JT, and he makes a good case. And and you know, to an extent, I see what he's talking about. The problem for me though is because Jim Ursay is Jim Ursay, and this whole thing is just you know so weird. You know, I think waiting till he falls until in redraft or whatever till like the sixth, seventh, eighth round is not a bad mm -hmm. a bad thing, right? Because it's completely plausible that he plays like barely at all this season. So if you're saying to yourself like, "Oh well, you know, um, all these people are scared," I'll, I'll take them. You know, you're you you may light that pick on fire. And I understand like that fantasy football is partly especially as, as you know, sort of the industry evolves, really leaning into ceiling outcomes and not playing scared. But, there, but there's always exceptions, and there's always, like, nuance and context to this. What happened with JT was the worst-case scenario. We guaranteed have four games without him scoring fantasy yep. points, right? Um, we don't have him on, like, the Dolphins offense, which probably would have been pretty cool, right? Now, with missing four games, there's teams are probably less likely to trade for him and probably likely to offer less for him yeah. when Ursay's demands were pretty through the roof. So are they all now all of a sudden going to turn around and take less? You know, fast forward all that to speaking of Jacob Sanderson, our, our guest on the 16th, you know, he was kind of laying out the scenario in one of his articles where you could see him showcased for two weeks, like week six, seven for like the trade deadline. If he doesn't get traded, then getting shut down and then getting opened up again, like maybe, I don't know, week 13 or something like that, because that's there's part of the rules about like uh, the timing of all this anyway. And then like playing a couple games so that the contract, you know, accrues and then he's and then he's a free agent. So you get five games of JT. I'm not burning a second or third round pick no. on that because that's a real possibility. You know what I mean? It's not like some, you know, you're playing scared. It's it's like uh, that's probably a safe bet. 
with the way this this situation is because the relationship is so bad. This thing could drag out like forever, you know. So I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty off him in in redraft. You know, yeah, you know, by the dip in dynasty, considering depending on the cost, there's probably a contending team, you know, that wants to offload him, uh, you know, for one of your for one of your uh, running backs that might be a better replacement. Like, I wonder what you could what you could put on top of like if you're holding on to like a Kamara or something. You know what I mean? Like, what would you ha- what would you have to put on top of that to to get JT because that's going to be an attractive piece for them because they're figuring he's inexpensive Kamara, you know, but then again, he's missing three games too. So I don't know. What do you think? You know, I'm trying to look it up now. I, I think off the top of my head, it was Jeff Bell uh, was football guys posted a trade he made to get Jonathan Taylor. And he basically, at least in my opinion, gave up nothing. So some people are really like dumping on him. So, I mean, I don't think it would take much on top of Kamara, especially if you wait a little bit in the season as he comes back and is about to start playing. Um, I think you can get him pretty cheap. I'm trying to look for the trade now. but mm-hmm. Would you say, uh, players aside, would you give two seconds for JT? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would. I think you can do that in some places. I'd, I'd give a like a 26 first. I've been, I would do something like that because, you know, that value is depreciated a little and you got plenty of time to get that back. So I'd even I would even flirt that just because, you know, best case scenario, he does get traded after, you know, week six or seven before the deadline and goes to a team who needs a running back and is going to feed him. Uh, but even if he plays with the Colts, I mean, it's it'll still be fine. I think this is a bigger hit on, at least in my opinion, to Pittman and Richardson without not having JT there, which I'll talk about later. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. They're not doing Richardson favors, I'll say. And I saw. One one of the GM or something, not Ursay, I can't remember his name, but he said, well, Andrew Luck was fine without a good running back, uh, not realizing that's the main reason he retired, was not getting help around him. So <laughs> it's yeah. that's a horribly run organization. I'm looking I feel at comfortable some, saying that from the couch. I'm looking at some recent trades, and it really is all over the place. Yeah, you know, it just like, depends on who has him. Yeah, I'm seeing him going straight up for Rashad White, who I'm about yeah. to dump on tonight. No, I would but, do that. In but a then I also I also see him going for Kamara Higby a first and a third. Yeah, you, you know, like uh, or uh, you know, um, Joe Mixon in a first, Jameer Gibbs in a first for him and Najee. Like you know, it, it, it's all over the place. No, it really is. Yeah, should be should be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Okay, so speaking of fallers. How are you sort of defining fallers for the purpose of this exercise that we're about to do? Um, at this point in the season, a few of mine are either being dropped very far on the depth chart or not even being on the team when we thought they would have a role. Uh, that's a lot of it. Just training camp, not looking good and looking better for other people. Um, Pittman, like one, someone I'm going to talk about, I'm higher than consensus on him, but he's still dropped in my rankings for reasons I'll talk about. So it really varies. Most of it is um, not having the role I expected them to have or that they were projected to have and someone else coming out in camp and mm. uh, just being better than them. So that's a lot of what mine are for this. Uh, for this. Yeah, I, I pick guys where the stock is falling for me. And then it, like if it just so happens to be falling for the market too, yep. you know, I'll, I'll add that in. Um, and the reason why they're falling for me could could really vary widely. Um 
you know, for example, uh, uh, Debo is somewhat linked to the fact that I really think it's going to be Ayuk this year. So at some point, someone's going to have to, you know, fall if he's rising, right? Yeah. Um, others, it's talent and situation and all that jazz. So, all right, but before we get started, let's pay some bills this episode as our all episodes is brought to you by our friends at underdog fantasy underdog is an industry leader with best ball tournaments and now as draft season is over and the regular season is starting pickums and other things you can do uh on the site uh you know where they have the the um the higher lower for like you know seasonal yardage and weekly stats and all that jazz too uh so you know hop in there uh you can uh, you can get a hundred hundred dollar deposit match uh, if you are a new underdog user and use the code GF2. You can do that by scanning that little QR code here on the video or going to uh, <clears throat> underdog.com or use the underdog app. Sign up as a new user. They will match your deposit up to a hundred dollars if you use the promo code GF2. I was telling Josh uh, before the show started. I was like, you know what? I got some money left in that, in that underdog account, and like a good addict, you know, I'm just gonna <laughs> instead of withdrawing it, I'm gonna burn it down, and I'll I'll, I'll spend it more on, on some last minute drafts. And I did I did a fast draft, a weekly winners fast draft, uh, you know, just for the heck of it, because I I don't do fast drafts, you know, I am really bad at fast <laughs> drafting, so I need to kind of like go in with a little bit more of like a, a a strategy and preparation for those for those fast drafts. You know, because it's not just like the fact that, okay, you only have 30 seconds to make the pick. It's like because everybody has 30 seconds to make the pick, your next pick is coming soon. And the time you have to process of how you're building this roster is, you know, so it it was it was rough for me. So, I, you know, I definitely I definitely need to up my my fast draft game. No, I think once you gain a set process and you get used to slow drafts, those drafts definitely cater to people who are a little more chaotic and just kind of pick on the realm of it, which a lot of home leagues do because people don't sit there and look at numbers like we do and obsess over it and have a set process where each round we want this. They just go with it. You don't have much time to process it and change your team build. So, yeah, I can. It was a Frankenstein team. Like it was just I mean, there was a few (laughs) things that there was a few things I leaned into because I've I've watched some videos on weekly winner strategy and how like, you know, um, unlike best ball mania, like don't really lean into the elite quarterbacks and tight ends. And, you know, it's, since it's kind of a DFS thing, you're going to have running backs in your flex more often than, um, yep. than wide receivers might be in best ball, et cetera, like that kind of stuff. But, you know, very little sort of thought process on stacking and, and, you know, what division is playing, which, and, and all, like, you know, so yep. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of rough. <laughs> it's a lesson learned, right? That's I, how that's how it's, you learn. You know, maybe this is a growing opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, growing, the opposite of that, I guess I don't know. Segue is that you're falling uh, in in dynasty ranks. <laughs> uh, and uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off? Who's your first faller? All right, my first is probably the most obvious, and not only I agree, but a bunch of other like industry data tools do too. Uh, it's Trey Lance. Um, so I have him ranked at twenty nine. I had him ranked at seventeen to nineteen. I was still kind of holding out that you know the rumors that he would be third string wouldn't be there, but now it is. Now he's traded. 
So I definitely had to drop him down a little because his future is a little less certain. Uh, going for two has him at 29 as well. And uh, keep trade cut. This is what kind of surprised me a little. They have him down at QB 33. Mm-hmm. And I thought my t- moving to 29 was an overreaction. Uh, so he's getting dropped by a lot of people. His you know, his stock's crashing. His data points are at 1,876, and that's down 2,832 over six months. So that's a massive drop-off for him. Fantasy Calc also says the same, down 576 over 30 days. Um, I don't know how often Bulletproof updates, but he's still going, according to them, at the 710, so at the end of the seventh round, uh, at QB 23, which yeah, is... Yeah, it depends on what settings you put in for how, like, what how long the calendar of like what the, what the ADP is showing. Gotcha. Yeah. Mine's probably pretty broad then. Yeah. If you click on the player though, um, the rolling average, I think those are 48 hour averages. So you can see like the trend line, Gotcha. the little number in the box. Yeah. It's like the last 48 hours, I think. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Um, yep. This is the most simple case for me. You know, he's, he went from being a potential starter in one of the most quarterback-friendly offenses to being a backup to someone who, without injury, probably isn't going to lose their job. Um, yeah, his future is just really uncertain for me, and I'm not willing to buy in unless I can get him, you know, near QB 30, which at that point, yeah. he's your probably third or fourth string – hopefully your fourth string quarterback at that point. Yeah, um, so the, the settings that I had, I guess I chose like from June onward, and it has him at the 808 the rolling averages the trend line is gross he's at the 12 12 right that, that makes more sense and i would right. i don't even think i would take him there i think um, I'm I, to touch. I would take Hendon hooker over him at this point what oh buddy. that's where i'm at i think he oh. has a lot clearer path to playing and i think Oof. he's better he's a better nfl suited quarterback okay so that's where i'm at all right, here He's I going guess to 1306. Is, so this is my, I guess my my time to do my lance spiel. I guess I don't know, right? I was going to make a video about it actually, but I, I just <laughs> just didn't have the the time and, and the patience uh, f- for that. I dropped him too, but I dropped him from 18 to 20, and but w- importantly, I dropped him from a tier that has like Russ and Dimes and um, Bryce and Stroud into the tier with uh, Goff, um, Mac, Pickett, etc. Right, so sort of a bigger more you know mixed bag tier the reason that i'm still holding holding there is is that there's there's context and nuance to this situation with lance right like it's not just that you know um uh number three overall pick overdrafted he's a bust like that's an easy narrative Mm -hmm. that's not what's going on right what's going on is that he was a bad pick for a win now team and he was a bad pick for that coach and that coach's ego, right? That coach refuses to move the yep. system to, to, to the talent that he has, the player that he has. And he just wants to plug in, you know, robot quarterbacks into his genius system. So it was a bad marriage from the start, right? And, and Kyle Shanahan did him zero favors. Okay. And it's a behavior pattern that goes back to Mike Shanahan's behavior patterns with RG3 and Jake Plummer. There, you know, the apple does not fall far from the tree, right? And then, and people will say, he couldn't beat out Sam Darnold. Well, okay, he couldn't beat out Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold is another Brock Purdy. It's a joystick robot West Coast offense quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan 
wanted Sam Darnold badly. When he was on the trade market, he was trying to get the team to throw a first-round pick out to get Sam Darnold, right? So if you're saying he couldn't beat out Sam Darnold, well, you know, (laughs) are we questioning Kyle Shanahan for loving and wanting the desiring Sam Darnold, right? In other words, it was a bad fit. Right. Yeah. And then and then it started getting into his head. Listen, was he developmental? Yeah, he's always been a little developmental. Right. Look at the career that he's had, though. Like, look at this, like, uh, like outlier experiences that have happened in his career. They made him QB2 when they shouldn't have. They should have named Jimmy QB2 to begin with and just let him sit and develop. Right. Yeah. He he then gets to he then gets to to start. Right. Um, and <clears throat> and uh and, you know, has a monsoon game and a game where he destroys his ankle. And then Jimmy steps in for an offense that was built for Jimmy Garoppolo anyway. Right. So um, and, and then, you know, it, he gets another outlier experience of Mr. Irrelevant hitting. Right. Which, you know, credit to the 49ers organization for seeing in Brock Purdy a smart experience, experienced 40 plus starts. That's important you know, uh, and coachable quarterback that they could plug into the Kyle Shanahan genius genius system, right? And, you know, I think, listen, if you see um, some good stuff on this, I have a th- mini thread on my Twitter of two videos from Matt Waldman's podcast where he talks about this with two really sharp people, you know, um, uh, uh, Brandon, I think Brandon is the first name, Brandon Angelo uh, mm-hmm. of Angelo Fantasy and you know, and Adam Harstead, who's, you know, you know, smarter than all of us combined. So and, and they pretty much agree with me. Here's where the here's where the problem is. Right. Now it's in his head. Right. And can he now have the maturity and the fortitude right after this like traumatic experience to turn around and develop into the quarterback that he possibly could be? And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Lance is great. I'm not saying Lance will be great. I'm saying Lance is a rushing quarterback, right? In in you know our dynasty, you know space, right? Whose trajectory is completely, you know, atypical and outlier from the beginning, right? And who was dealt a raw deal at his time in San Francisco. All I've ever wanted for Trey Lance was to get traded away from Kyle Shanahan. And he finally has. Now the clock begins to see what Trey Lance is. I'm almost ignoring everything else that has happened because he was in an abusive relationship. No, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, But it is not... I would have liked a better landing spot, though. Okay, so but and that's really, a lot of why, yeah. I mean, so you're probably holding on to him, so they're they're probably not getting out of Dak's contract for 2024. So you're probably looking at 2025 now with Lance, and that kind of explains why he's going at 1212. That's a bet I'll make at 1212 any day. I'll I, I will drive Hendon Hooker to your house in Virginia. I would have driven him to your house in Georgia to get Trey Lance. Uh, you make a good point, but at the same time, I'm very high on Hinton Hooker. So as my QB4, I'd rather have him because he could, once he starts, easily vault up into QB2 status. So, Which Trey Lance could too. I'm not saying he couldn't either, but I think at this point, uh, Hinton Hooker has an easier path. 
Well, it's possible. I mean, really, when we look at Hendon Hooker, Jared Goff might get a contract there. You he know, because like he's he works well within the system and he's played well enough to probably earn a contract, right? And you know, I think Hooker, you know, where he was taken in the draft wasn't just the injury. It was like he also is developmental himself. He really only had to read half the field in the Josh Heupel offense. Like he's a good quarterback and he can be a capable quarterback and maybe have a Geno arc or something like that. But, you know, it's entirely possible he's stuck behind Goff for another three or four years. Right. So like, I, I don't know that that path is really all that, all that more laid out. It could, but I also think he has more natural tools than Trey Lance does outside of running. Cause Hinton can run enough just to get first downs kind of like uh Daniel Jones does doesn't have a ton of design runs but I think he's more suited more accurate just a much better passer and can fit in more systems okay um so someone asked me uh uh, Steve checking in on Twitter what's a fantasy take you put your life on uh and uh, I said Sam Laporta will be a top five tight I mean Will you be dead? I don't know. Would I bet my life on that? Hell no. And I love <laughs> Sam Laporta. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Josh, what do you think? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a bet like that. I mean, I'll, I'll just say I'll be surprised this year. You know, next year is a different story. You know, 2025 or 2024 is a different story. But I don't think this year, yeah. I think he'll be really good where he's going. I think he's a good, good for his ADP, but not top five. So, um, speaking of the 49ers, and do you want me to go to Debo or Kittle first? Let's do, uh, let's do Debo, because then I'll jump into a receiver after that. Yeah, so um, Debo's a faller for me. He's fallen to um, 28, uh, and he's in my tier of 19 to 32. I had him around 20-ish at the end of the season, maybe 25 in May, and he's now down at 28. I actually had him for at 31 for, for a, a couple weeks before I moved him back up to 28. Uh, and for going for two, people are much higher on the consensus rankings at 18. Mm. I'm in line with keep trade cut at 28. Uh, although it's interesting that he's actually gained some points there in the last month and uh, last three months. I think people might have said, oh, well, maybe we bottomed out and cratered a little too much on Debo. And he is Debo. So let's or it's oh, Lance is finally gone. So, you know, it's going to be the Purdy and Darnold show and they can't run. So they're going to throw to Debo. Either way, he's 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 inched up a little bit, uh, but I am you know pretty even with uh, KTC. Fantasy Calc has him at twenty six. Uh, again, a gain over the last thirty days, a pretty substantial gain given the 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 total of how they do their points, but uh, down big since May and down huge uh, since February. His ADP is six oh five at wide receiver twenty five, and it's been roughly flat since June. His rolling average is six oh six. Excuse me. So why is Debo a faller for me? This is partly linked to the idea that um, Ayuk is a flag plant for me, right? So I see the offense working out this year where Ayuk and CMC could be one and two as far as target share goes. And that's going to hurt Debo and Kittle. Kittle's a spike week guy anyway. I'll talk about that a little later. And when when all four of these guys were on the field, Debo kind of suffered. Um you know, once once CMC came on came on board, his target share, I believe, stayed roughly, uh, you know, ab- above Ayuk most of the time. But, you know, but Ayuk, you know, broke out well last year. I believe he was like wide receiver 18 or 19, uh, either overall or on a points per game basis. Right. So he's already good. And he, you know, Debo loses the, the rushing edge to CMC. I also think there's going to be probably some 
you know, uh, uh, regression on the efficiency with Purdy because there's tape on him now. You know what I mean? Like his his touchdown efficiency was 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 insane. If you look at what Nick Mullins did in that offense in 2018, you know, in his eight game stretch, it's very similar to the the numbers and even the efficiency numbers that Brock Purdy did in his six game sample uh, in the regular season last year. And what happened to Nick Mullins? Right. So. Again, Purdy moves around a little bit better than Nick Mullins. I'm not saying he's as bad as Nick Mullins, but he's a limited quarterback, and the offense likes to run, right? And the offense runs with the running backs, and especially when you have CMC, which cuts off Debo's rushing. I don't th- I think, listen, I think he's very athletic. I think he's great with breaking tackles and yak, and you'll throw him some wide receiver screens and all that. But I, I, I really think this is going to be a CMC and Ayuk year for that 49ers offense. And so he's kind of going to be losing out on this, right? So this is kind of also related to my Ayuk flag plant from the, our last episode. Yeah. So I, I have been higher than most on Debo and I still am. And a lot of reason I'm still confirming that is some reports coming out of camper that they don't want to run CMC so much. Mm. And I think I saw a few reports of that on Twitter from some beat writers. I, think if they do that, you know, they do still have Elijah Mitchell and uh, Jordan Mason who are fine, but mm-hmm. I think not getting the ball in Debo's hands in a different way will be not the smartest thing. You know, Kyle Shanahan, while he's egotistical and kind of a douche, he does know more than me. But, I mean, the numbers speak for himself when he rushes, and he still last year was very good with the ball in his hands after the catch. You know, he still led the league and missed tackles and stuff like that. And I think, you know, a lot of last year's struggles were due to contract other things going on, not being fully healthy and not really maybe having his heart in it, which, you know, that could also be a – that could be a knock on him. But I think he's going to be a lot better this year. I'm still high on Ayuk. I moved him up. But they're very close. I think I have Debo two spots ahead. I think it's going to be more spread out. And Kittle, if anything, is going to be the biggest faller in this offense, I think. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit yeah. about that uh, later. So, Jamie, um, I, I was on uh, Kyle – uh, Kyle from going for two Kyle Sandra. I was on his press coverage show the last episode of mm-hmm. the summer. You know, he was doing teachers this year. and He closed it out with me and Jamie, Jamie was, was on fire in the chat and he was doing um, uh, fun facts really related to the stuff we were talking about. Uh, have, are you old enough to remember or have heard of a uh, 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 pop-up video on VH1? I think so. When VH1 would, in the days when those channels played music videos, they had this show called Pop-Up Video where, and during the music video, these fun facts would pop up oh, yeah, in, these, yeah. in these bubbles about like, you know, you know, the singer was drunk when they were in this video, or did you know that this person's middle name comes, right? And so uh, here is Jamie, our fun fact uh, pop-up video maven here with uh, Debo's dad, nicknamed him Debo after the bully in the Friday, Friday movie. And his real name is Tyshawn Samuel, LOL. Now, I don't know if that's true, but hey, why not, right? Thanks, Jamie, for the, uh, for the, the fun fact on, on, on Debo. Yeah, so I, wanna, I wanted to pull up uh, the dynasty rankings on going for two um, and look at the wide receivers here. And let's see, uh, Josh, you have... Uh, Debo at 18, right? And then mm-hmm. Ayuk at 24. Oh, because right? yeah. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm all in on Ayuk. I've got him at 16, and I got Debo down at 28. So it's it's pretty flipped. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. 
No, What's your I fact checked that uh, real quick. Friday came out in 1995. Debo Samuel's born in 96. So. It's quite possible. Yeah, it very much is. Uh, so, my next one. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you what your next follower is while, while I Google more on Debo's name. <laughs> uh, this next one's a pretty obvious one also. Malik Davis. I uh, have him ranked 74th. Uh, I had him in like 57 to 59 range thinking he was going to be the backup to Pollard and get plenty of touches. Uh, KTC has him even down further. Keep trade cut has him at RB 94. Uh, he's down almost a hundred percent over six months of his data points. Fantasy Calc has him down 240, which is also right at a hundred percent. And Bulletproof has him going around 22 at RB 78. And that, it might be worse than that since he got cut. He's probably not even being drafted. Um, so yeah, he's he's on the practice squad. He's gonna have to have a lot of stuff happen for him to get substantial playing time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they have Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn, who I was not very high on, beat him mm-hmm. out. It's yeah. just not, you know, it's you can you can draft him as your last pick if you want to, but I say just keep an eye on him on the waivers in case some injuries happen. But yeah, he's he took a huge fall for me. Yeah, I probably don't even have him low enough. Same. Um I I my rankings below a certain number are still a little bit in flux because what i did to organize it for 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 me was i I was having these huge tiers of like guys who made the 53 and then guys who got waived and then guys who got re-signed i put them back up so i kind of haven't like finalized finalized it but uh, i think i have malik davis in the hundreds you know you do it was like one of three i was looking 110 i had i guess i maybe that's why i didn't even do the going for two consensus because yeah only me you and kyle have him ranked at this point yeah you know and 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 it's a story that's interesting because he had some steam early in the offseason as like oh he's going to be behind pollard if anything happens but you know zeke is gone they haven't brought anybody in and then you know here we are what does this let me ask you a question what does this do to your thoughts on tony pollard for 2023 looking at what's there in the backfield behind him I, I think they're going to give him a shot to be the bell cow. I don't think he'll run 20 times a game, but 13 to 15 carries with three to four catches, I think, given his efficiency, will be really good. I think they're it, either they really like Dowdle, and I don't know if induce Vaughn enough to where Deuce Vaughn might come in on third downs, but even then, uh, Pollard is still going to get some catches on first, second down on some screens. He's too good in space. Yeah, I think Deuce Vaughn will have a couple fun, like. Yep plays you know but i don't think he's gonna get any sort of like um regular third down role and 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 dowdle isn't exactly a pass catcher from what i remember so yeah so and and due to uh eckler and jt falling in my rankings and and all this i have yeah. as my rb5 now in dynasty and i'm like how did that happen right you know which, mean, re- yeah. which is really interesting because for me like i look at my rankings and i don't know that i want to click on anybody that I have between Bijan at one and like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you He's know, like, CMC and Saquon. CMC, Brees, CMC, Saquon. Okay. And then, and then Pollard. So anybody between Bijan and like maybe Dobbins at 12. And then again, uh, like then, then it's just, you know, guys that I want to do is like zero RB builds, you know, like, Tank and Charb and you know Spears and Brian Robinson guys or like got yeah or Khalil Herbert you know Antonio Gibson Brian Rob right like so there's this swath of RBs that like 
I have ranked a certain way because like that's just where I should rank them, you know, uh, and not because like, oh, I'm a slave to consensus. I mean, like I literally rank them there because of all factors considered, but I don't know how comfortable I am clicking on them in a startup when I when I want to would rather build my team differently. Like even Ramondre, who I love, who I think is going to have a huge 2023, you know, there's there's things to be concerned about there i don't think zeke is going to be a big dent in his workload at the goal line or anywhere else but he's there you know and ty montgomery can catch passes and they've said they want to use ramondre less and you know the offense you know has slightly better pass catchers this year et cetera, et cetera. so like i could tell myself that about a lot of the backs there so i think it's really you know hitting home how um how can i put it like how few guarantees there are at running back now in yeah. fantasy football, you know? Yeah. Yep. So my next, uh, my next father, speaking of uh, running backs with no guarantee, let's do Rashad white. Uh, so at the beginning of the offs, uh, as soon as Fournette got cut, I was like, sell Rashad white. People are going to go over the moon about Rashad white. They're going to assume that he's like RB one, sell him now, you know? And there were people who were calling him a huge buy and, you know, all off season saying he's the screaming by and he, it never made sense to me. I was intrigued by Rashad white coming out of college and had him, you know, in my top eight or 10 running backs in that class, um, you know, uh, did put up competent rushing numbers in college, but you know, it was, it was in the pac 12, which you kind of take with a, with a grain of salt, but you know, really where he, you know, stood out was, was his pass catching his, his receiving chops. Right. Um, but yeah, I never really thought of him as, you know, a, a full workload, you know, three down sort of guy, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, now we have a situation where you're really just leaning into projectable volume, you know, which I want to do as little as possible in as much as volume is king. I don't want like my excuse, my my reason for drafting somebody is like, well, he's you think he's going to get volume. There's nobody else there. Like I'd rather bet on somebody who's talented around the same area of the draft. So, um, you know, I have him down at, at running back 36, but importantly in the new tier where he's uh, in running back 36 to 41, I had him floating around 29 to 31 all off season going for two likes and better at 23 KTC also likes him better at 23 uh, up a smidge over a month in KTC, but down over the last three months. Uh, and then the opposite story on Fantasy Calc, where he's still RB21. ADP of 806 uh, at RB23, roughly flat since uh, since around June with a rolling average of the, the mid-eighth. I'm not spending the mid-eighth on Rashad White. Um, if you add on to everything that I, that I was saying, we now look at a terrible offense, someone a quarterback who doesn't check down nearly as much as Tom Brady does, um, a guy who probably is not good for, you know, uh, a, 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 a sizable rushing workload. Um, and I just don't, I mean, he wasn't even as efficient as Leonard Fournette was in, in a lot of the metrics in, in 2022. And I don't, I don't foresee that. I just don't think the talent is there. You know what I mean? And when I'm looking at, you know, uh, the ADP and he's, you know, he's going at 806 in, in line with, you know, uh, I'd rather bet on Cam Akers in the mid eighth. I'd rather bet on Christian Kirk. You know, I'd rather bet on Deontay F and Johnson. You know, I'd rather bet on Charb, right? And then 
You know, like I, th- it's just where he's going and the cost that he is in the streets. I'm just not doing it uh, for Rashad White. Recently, uh, I traded, <laughs> you'll love this. I traded Rashad White and a fourth for Trey Lance and a third, right? This is before the trade to, to Dallas, you know? Yeah. Um, and that just kind of speaks to how I view both both players and how far Trey Lance has fallen in, in, in that you're paying up for Rashad White now. Um, but Rashad White straight up for Hollywood is a recent trade and Rashad White straight up for Miles Sanders. I'm smashing both of those. Yeah. I'm fairly low on Rashad White. I just don't see it. Um, you know, and now last couple of weeks, we're hearing a lot of good stuff about Sean Tucker, who absent the heart thing, you know, was was going to be in, in, you know, my top five, you know, RBs really in the 2023 class for the most part. I think the lowest I ever had him was six. So altogether, not feeling Rashad White. He's a big faller for me. No, that's fair. And I think, you know, even if Sean Tucker does kind of eat into his workload, I, you know, Baker Mayfield's not Tom Brady when, when it comes to dumping off and taking what you can get, but he still does target his running backs a little bit. Uh, it's not the worst case, but even if Sean Tucker does come in on earlier downs, I think Rashad White's receiving profile is good enough to, at least in full PPR leagues, keep him at least relevant. But yeah, eighth round, I'd, there's other guys I'd rather take. Mm-hmm. And I need, I need to put down my rankings a little. I'd probably move him down to like 27, 28. Um, Jamie in the chat just back to Pollard about that he's looks like he's working out to prepare for a full workload. Let's remember too that Pollard was the RB. Uh, wasn't he like wasn't he like a, a top twelve RB last yeah, year? Yeah, top ten I think. I think he was like right. seven or eight off the top of uh, my head. Uh, and, and there were still like whatever two hundred fifty plus touches that didn't involve Tony Pollard. So he doesn't need that many more than he had last year to really yeah. you know hit home. So he doesn't even really need to be you know the beast. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Like, there's just so many reasons to be in on Tony Pollard and and, and I'm loving it this year. You know, that's what I was saying. Even 13 or 14 carries. That's a so bigger workload than he got. I don't want him to carry 20 times a game. That's not going to be good long term. But 13 yeah. carries and then a couple of catches. He's going to be really good. Yeah. All right. Ooh. I'll move to my next one. I'm going to hit on a receiver here. Uh, it's Jamison Williams. I honestly have always Ooh. been. A, oh wait, I'm sorry. I'll save it for when you're finished. <laughs> I've always been a little bit lower on Jameson Williams in consensus. Uh, a lot of it because I felt like he was, he didn't have a full route tree and he was kind of limited to big plays. But he is electric with the ball. He's got lightning speed. I have him ranked at 42, down from 33 to 35. Uh, going for two has him at 35. So I'm not too far below market on that. KTC has him at 36. He's down a thousand data points over six months. So he does have a pretty decent uh, drop-off there. Fantasy Calc is still down 451 over 30 days from down to 2,168. Um, and most of this isn't due to the suspension. You know, that doesn't help because you're missing, what, six games this year. Then he's still got to come in and integrate himself into the uh, into the system. But it's also, when he was showing up in practice, the reports weren't great on him. They said he didn't he didn't look that good, wasn't running good routes had some drops so it's not a massive drop but i'm just i'm really drafting hardly any jameson williams and the teams i've had him i've been able to trade him for some good picks and you know i think i traded him straight up for dotson last year mm. so i'm definitely trying to flip him for people who are still high on him you know the upside's definitely there but it's also a lot lower floor than i expected and i'm just like george pickens gabe davis i'm not always in on guys like that mm. yeah i still have him ranked at 30 uh he was probably as high as like 
22 not too long ago. Um, I love the talent Uh, coming out of the 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 dra- uh, coming out of the draft really going into and coming out of the draft I had there was this huge tier of four four guys you know Wilson Olave um, <clears throat> uh, JMO and and London and you know JMO was in there I said listen any of these guys could, could end up being the best wide receiver in this class I think he's a little bit more than a deep threat and doesn't get as much credit for that and so for me with the first round draft capital and the huge talent. I'm a little slower to keep dropping him, as you saw with my stubbornness on Lance. You know, I acknowledge that what we've seen happen isn't great, right? You know, um, but, you know, this the team was willing to spend a first-round pick on him knowing that they wouldn't get much out of him, you know, the first year. They basically redshirted him, you know, uh, and, oh, we got one catch for 40 yards. Well, I mean, come on, let's, let's be real, right? It wasn't a normal year. Right. Um, he didn't play a lot of snaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yes, the six game suspension isn't great. The new, right. And so, and, and there's a lot of data that says, you know, a, a wide receiver who even, you know, who, who misses that much time in their first year, you know, and I get that. Right. I understand that. Um, part of what's happening for me with fantasy football is saying, on the one hand, there's these rules of thumb to have, like, the data shows a wide receiver who misses that much time in their first year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't turn out well. Right. And so now that everybody has access to that, to that data, right. And everybody's more informed. I think for me, it becomes more important than to figure out who within that group is worth saying or worth trying to say, or worth betting on. They're an exception for me. It's, it's Jamison Williams, right? Because I just, I just love the talent so much. He could be, just an absolute game changer. There are concerns as long as Jared Goff is the quarterback and as long as he's primarily a deep threat, it's not a good match, right? Goff is a, a low ADOT, <clears throat> you know, uh, quarterback. So so I get that, right? Now, just because I have him ranked 30th, though, around guys like Bateman and Kirk and Judy, you know, and Debo, I know that out in the streets, he's not valued at that, right? So... You know, I'm not paying what I would pay for a Debo or a Bateman or a Kirk if I'm attempting to get JMO. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, I'm probably maybe a little high on him considering everything that's happened. And I do have him in that huge tier of like 19 to 32. So, I, you know, I am saying that he he's he's, a, you know, he's essentially similar to. Guys, you know, that like that people love, like, you know, Jordan Addison and Christian Watson. And and I get how that can sound, right, because of all the bad news. But for me, it's more about, like, buy the dip on a super talented first rounder and see what happens, you know? So. No, I, I get it. I, just looking at the guys I have ahead of him, you know, I have Elijah Moore, Bateman, Kirk, Quentin Johnson, Marvin Mims. I, I just can't, especially with a suspension – I think the suspension would move him up into that massive tier of receivers down at the bottom end, but knowing he's going to miss six games and going to have to get acclimated, I just there's better floor plays there. Even DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen are close. You know, if I'm trying to win now, I'd much rather have them. Well, yeah, for sure. I think in if you're looking for points early in 2023, that's that's yeah. a that's a different story. And yeah, let me ask you this. Um, Terry McLaurin is going two picks before him in, in ADP has a turf toe thing. So also will, you know, maybe be shaky early and t- turf toe can linger. 
right? Would you rather have Terry McLaurin or Jamison Williams in a vacuum? You know? Yeah, I'd still rather have Terry McLaurin. And because this point in the draft, I'm looking for floor plays. Um, I don't want to take a guy at this point that could just completely bottom out. Like Jameson Williams could, he could come off, not be good until week 12 or something by that point. You know, I feel like it's a wasted pick. So I'd rather have, I'd rather have higher floor at that point. And that's just my yeah. draft strategy. For and, I, and, and I guess recently I'm kind of shying away from floor being a, a, a tiebreaker in a decision. Right. Yeah. You know, earlier rounds, I don't think about that. You know, I just shoot for upside. But as we go on, especially middle rounds, I feel like middle rounds are very vital to if you're trying to win now, those are picks you got to hit on. So, you know, my feelings on on capitalism. But when we look at the dynasty universe, right, a lot of the principles of in, of investment. And, you know, for that matter, behavioral economics, psychology, game theory, all that's all that plays into into what we do. Right. And I was listening to something today about um, something that we're going to get into with Jacob later about anti-fragility and all that. But anyway, so um, the person was, was talking about like biotech startups. Right. If you say to yourself, 85 percent of biotech startups don't make it out of the first year and, um, you know, another another 10 percent or whatever, don't make it out of the first, you know, five years that means five percent is left that actually make it past five years so they are inherently a risky investment but the returns on the ones that make it are huge so you're actually okay making some bets on those biotech startups right especially if you're making other, you know, 55, 45, 60, 40 bets in, in other places. And, you know, if you just lean into a little bit more risk and ceiling, because the returns are going to be great. And in Dynasty, if the returns are awful, okay, well, I got the 102, <laughs> you know, like, and so I'm starting to try to embrace that a little bit more, um, you know, because I don't know, I, I, I've been risk averse in the past and being risk averse just leads to a lot of mediocrity, I think. And I'm just, you know, I'm not trying for fourth place. No, that's fair. Maybe, you know, tying into this metaphor or whatever, uh, I think my uh, brief exposure to options trading has made me a little uh, less risk adverse because I've seen how quickly it can swing. And, you know, I very rarely go into dynasty drafts, you know, maybe in like 10, $20 leagues looking to rebuild. So I'm usually, and in just my opinion, I'd rather have guys who are just above average at that point that are hitting every single week than, mm -hmm. you know, striking out. And then next thing you know, I'm having to completely swap my strategy. And so. okay. I got you. My next faller is, uh, should I keep going with the 49ers and do Kittle? Might as well, I... might as well just go ahead and uh, knock them out. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'll, yeah, let's alternate uh, 49ers and Buccaneers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, my, my next <laughs> my next caller is uh, is Kittle. You know, I, I, you know, I think this is pretty in line with the market. It wasn't a big fall for me, but what's important here that I wanted to point out is the tiering. So, he fell to um, tight end seven for me and he was essentially tight end five six for most of the offseason but what i now have is a big tier 
of tight ends four to nine, right? And instead of like a four, five, six and a seven, eight, nine that I had for a while. So for a while there, it was, um, you know, Hop, Goddard, Kittle in, in some order, four, five, six, tier break. And then the guys I had below them, like Kincaid, Fryer, Muth, and Waller. Now I've got everybody in all one tier. And I've got Fryermuth ahead of Kittle. I think Fryermuth is going to explode this year. I think Kittle is a spike weak, unreliable, aging guy. You know, it's great for best ball, you know, spike weeks. Not great for, for managed league week to week. Um, you know, uh, going for two has him at six. KTC has him at six. Fantasy Calc has him at six. You know, declines, though, across the board on KTC and Fantasy Calc by all measures, three months, one month. You know, he's down, uh, you know, in Fantasy Calc, for example, like he's 24.94 is his total, right? And he's lost 1,500 points since early January, right? So that's 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 huge, that's a, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah. When you look at the percentage, right, of, of what the hole is, right? So, and it, he's had a pretty flat ADP for most of the offseason at 602 and, and tight end five. But the rolling average is 609 from a 603 high in mid-July. So there is some dip going on with Kittle. And I think people are, are, you know, are saying, like, leaning into ceiling is one thing. But at the position of tight end, it's unpredictable and spike-weaky. And he's 30. You know, there's, yeah. there's maybe some caution to have. And so this is linked to my IU flag plant, my sort of semi-flag plant on Friar Muth. And so, therefore, Kittle's now mixed in in this big tier and below Brian Muth for the first time all offseason. Um, two trades that I saw recently for him, Kittle for Derrick Henry, which I think is interesting because they're, they're similar in the sense that they're aging superstars, so to speak, right? And then Kittle for a 24 third and a 25 first, right? I'm smashing the picks on that particular one, even in a premium. Um, and then the Henry thing is just, it's very dependent on, on roster construction, but I probably rather have Henry in like a YOLO last ride year with Tennessee, you know, uh, then Kittle's unpredictability, but at the same time, I can probably catch points somewhere else at running back that I might not be able to get at tight end. So that's kind of close for me. Yeah, I assume those teams making those trades are both trying to win now and just need different pieces. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to smash both of those, honestly, because Henry, you know, as long as he's healthy, you know his, you know he's going to have a really good workload. Kittle, you don't know that because, you know, looking at it, we have the same top 10 tight ends. They're just, you know, same top seven are all the same. I've just moved Firemuth above Kittle, too, and I got her to head. So I'm with you 100%. I, and that's more me being – both high on Debo and IU. You're down on Debo, but I'm high on both of them, and I'm high on CMC. So that leaves somebody out to dry, and I think it's going to be uh, yeah. Kittle. Yeah. Touchdown dependent. You know, that's what he'll be. Yeah. And at the uh, point he's going, that's I'm not trying to get a – I'll draft Tyler Higby later. Who's going to probably eat, you know, especially especially yeah. early with, with, with cup out. So let's – I mean, let's look at that ADP of like around 602-ish – um, you know, he's going in the same area, you know, as Derrick Henry, Javante Williams, Calvin Ridley, Michael Pittman, Jared Goff, I'll, Damian Pierce. I'll take all of those over him. Yeah, Eas I, just, I don't pretty easily, honestly. I Especially think, Damian Pierce. 
I think if I'm not getting one of the top three, right, and I'm not getting Fryermuth at what I think is a value, um, because I don't have to draft him as high as I have him ranked, then I'm I'm probably waiting, you know, unless somebody falls to a point where I think it, it's it's a good value. But, no, uh, almost all my startups this year, I've been if I don't get you know Andrews or Hawkinson, I'm getting. And Joku in the eighth, ninth, or tenth rounds, and I'm very happy with that as opposed to getting kittled in the sixth. All right, who's your next fallback? My next one is I'm gonna touch on a running back, Najee Harris. Mm. I'm pretty below market on this one, at least for going for two. I have him at 17, down from 11 to 14. Going for two has him at 12. Uh, keep trade cut, RB 15. Uh, fantasy calc rb12 so i'm not too far behind on them he's not down that much over six months in ktc or fantasy calc and he's going as rb11 in uh drafts because a lot of people are still high on him but i'm honestly i tried not to buy into this hype of Jalen warren but the more i watch them both play i think he's clearly a more dynamic running back you know Najee was faster coming out of camp but they just don't look it, he just doesn't look faster when he's running in game speed. And I just honestly think they kind of ran Najee into the ground a little his first year. And I think that kind of ate into his uh, production because he's not been efficient. I don't think he's exceptionally good. He relied on receptions and touchdowns his first year. And I do think Jay, it's going to be more of a committee than people are expecting. I don't think he's going to get the workload that a lot of people are drafting him to get. So that worries me a little. Yeah, I think with, with Najee, you can make a good argument that Second half of the year, things improved all around for the team, including him, right? He got that plate out of his cleat. He performed better. The offense improved. Hey, arrow up. They've had a good preseason. You know, they're getting some buzz, the Steelers, right? Kenny Pickett looks good, too, I'll say, yeah. as a hater. <laughs> he looks pretty uh, good. The, the thing about not and, – and honestly, even if you don't think that Jalen Warren is the second coming of Tony Pollard, I'm down on Najee, too. Mm-hmm. I kind of had him reluctantly and begrudgingly floating in that tier that I had with like um, that I had Ramondre in, in that Ramondre Chubb area. Um, and I put him down at 16, right? Um, and because we know what he is now, you know what I mean? Uh, he's a volume dependent, uh, uninteresting, not very. Uh, explosive, reliant on breaking tackles and reliant on volume guy, you know, and I, I can get something similar at a much cheaper cost. And his name is Brian Robinson. Yep. You know, Oh, exactly. Brian Robinson is discount Najee this year. Yep. Right. And I think you throw into that, that with the Steelers offense improving, which rising tides would lift the Najee boat. But it's also going to improve in a way that I think is going to be more beneficial to guys like Pickett, Pickens, Deontay, and Fryermuth rather than Najee. So let me let me read you nope. something as a tease for the listeners and viewers for um, uh, Jacob coming on in a couple weeks. Uh, this is from uh, one of his his articles. I'm only read a little bit because you got to pay for the content. I'm not going like, to. It's, it's it worth it. Yeah. So Najee Harris. Depending on who you ask, Najee Harris is a crappy plotter a misunderstood genius, a talent agnostic beneficiary of guaranteed volume, a midnight toker, or a space cowboy. <laughs> a Steve Miller reference there. 
but after two years in the NFL, we have a fairly good idea of who he is on the field, above average breaking tackles, uh, can sustain a workload. But the further you, you know, sort of separate any metric from him engaging with defenders, you know, breaking tackles and things like that, the worse you, he, he becomes. Uh, not good with decision making, you know, similar to Kenneth Walker in that way. Uh, we've seen this profile before, and it's a near carbon copy of David Montgomery. Listen, I like Monty. I think he's kind of been underrated, you know, for a while. But, you know, uh, I, I just – he's David Montgomery. Like, you know, there's nothing exciting about him. You know, there's, there's upside for Najee to, you know, maybe be, you know, a top 12 running back this year. But, you know, there's also – I could see him being, you know, RB 21 this year as, as well. So I think when you're looking at what you're asking me to pay for him in ADP and in the trade streets, I can't do it. I, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather bet on, on other guys. So, you know, I think he's what mid fourth, right? Something like that still in ADP. Yep. Maybe he's in the fifth now, something like that. It's still a lot higher than I'm willing to get for an absolute floor play. Cause because Montgomery, where he's going, like I said earlier, I like to get guys I know are safe, and Montgomery's safe where he's going, but Najee, where he's going, isn't worth it. Yeah, I have him at five hundred one here with a rolling average of five hundred four. Like he's in that he's in that neighborhood of Nick Chubb, Kenneth Walker, Ramondre Stevenson. I'm no, probably no. taking all three of those above him. You know, I'll even uh, go Damian Pierce and J.K. Dobbins. I'll take over him. They're going yeah. around later. Oh, agree. I have both of them. Well, I have Pierce ranked below him. But at cost, Pierce for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's going. He's going ahead of Tony Pollard essentially in ADP, right? What are we doing here, folks? Uh, so, I mean, and yeah, that stretches back since June. But like I said, yeah. the rolling average is still five hundred four, and you know, Pollard's rolling average is still is still four eleven. So they're still close. Like they should not be that close no. in ADP. You know, if you're if you're asking me to take a running back that early in those rounds, it's not going to be Najee Harris. I agree. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on Jalen Warren this year? Like, I think he's getting a little overhyped, you know? Um, you know, I like him, you know, certainly like him as one of the like zero RB types or the type of guys I like to pound late in, in drafts, like Jalen Warren and Tyson Chandler and Jerome Ford, you know, uh, Keontae Ingram. Those like, I have them ranked around those guys. So I think there's value there. Slight standalone, definite contingent upside, but um, I think he's I think he's getting a little overhyped, and you could probably get more for him in the trade streets than you, than you should. No, I agree. I do like Jalen Warren. I drafted him a lot last year, expecting this to happen. I guess I was maybe a year early, but you also got to know what you're getting. Like he's, I don't think he's as talented as Najee in a vacuum, but he he seems to bring a different element that they're lacking, like big playability on the handoff. You know, Najee's solid kind of like Montgomery, but like you said, he's not a home run hitter. I feel like Jalen Warren has that ability, and he showed it in the preseason. But at the same time, you got to know what you're getting. I think if something happened to Najee, I think they'll either bring someone else in, and I don't think he's going to have, you know, I don't know. Mm. I think he's fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. So should I uh, keep picking on the Buccaneers or go with the quarterback? What do you want me to do? <sighs> they lost. They lost Ryan Jansen. Let's go with the quarterback. We can't. Can't kick them too much. Oh, that's another. That's another reason to hate Rashad White, right? The yeah, I line. meant to bring that up. He lo <laughs> they lost their really good center. And yeah, that's yeah, an important yeah. piece to the line. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll I'll do the quarterback and I'll save the Buccaneers for for, <laughs> for last. So Dak Prescott, right? 
Dak Prescott's weird for me because, mm-hmm. like, in a sense, I feel the vibes around him are worse than my vibes for him. Like, you know, what I see people saying about him, I think I'm like, eh, I like him more than that. But in my ranks, he's he's fallen, right? I had him around, you know, uh, 9 to 11, you know, for most of the offseason, and now he's at 13. So the, the idea is that he's essentially slid down that entire 9 to 13 tier, and now he's yeah. at now he's at the bottom. Um, so, uh, you know, I think he, I've always had him in this tier, so it's not a huge drop, but essentially, you know, he's – getting to the point where I have less, less faith in him than other risky plays like Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and things like that. So, excuse me. So going for two has him at 13. So I'm right in line there. KTC and, and fantasy Calc are a little below that at 15 and 16. Um, he's definitely down on KTC over a three month and one month period, huge drops in fantasy Calc considering the, you know, the percentage of the total uh, he's at, you know, 35, 38, on fantasy calc and he's dropped you know over a thousand points in in the last 30 days uh his adp is 301 he's down to quarterback 12 so people are are taking you know richardson and bryce above him um with a rolling average of 307 so here's where it gets i think interesting right so i he's a faller for me but i still have him above uh bryce and stroud and I'm not taking them where they're at in ADP and startups as rookies. I just I think people are inflating them. I have Richardson one rank above him, 12 versus 13. It's hard for me to pay what I have to pay, though, for Richardson in a startup. He's going late first, early second at quarterback like 9-10. So in a way, Dak has fallen for me, but I kind of am still okay with him where he's at at ADP. You know? Yeah. Uh, now... Why has he fallen for me is, I think, you know, the, the question on everybody's mind for the millions of watchers and, and listeners. And, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of I feel a little better bumping uh, Tua up. I feel a little better, you know, keeping Richardson at 12. Um, I think, the you know, like the, the, the 80th and above percentile outcome for Deshaun Watson is, is could be huge. I think – you know, people are. I, I don't. I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be a Cardinal. I think that contract for Kyler is unmovable. Yeah. But either either way, as as down as I am on Kyler as like a processor and a leader and a, and in some ways a passer, he he puts up elite fantasy numbers when he's on the field, right? And he did so with Cliff Dang Kingsbury. You know, I think he can do it in different regimes, right? So it's a matter of Dax losing out because he's older rushes less, right, and now loses Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator, right, and Mike McCarthy takes over. Now they've said, you know, the the sort of narrative has been, oh, Kellen Moore, you know, wanted to score too many points and pass too much, we're going to run, right? What they've done with their personnel, however, right, essentially, you know, Pollard and pray for rain in the backfield and adding Brandon Cooks, tells me, okay, maybe they still are, you know, going to pass as much as they do. But, you know, his weapons outside of Lamb are pretty mediocre. I probably like Gallup more than most people do, but he's Michael Gallup. You know, Brandon Cooks, you know, it, it changes scenery, could make it better, but eh, 
he's pretty good cooks. And he's, you know, what, 30, 31 years old, right? The tight ends, right, are, I mean, you know, Dalton Schultz, I think, benefited from having Dak. You know, I think he elevated Schultz above where his talent is. Um, and so I think there's reason to like Ferguson and Shoemaker. I don't know that there's reason to like them all that much, though. You know, there, there's a lot of unknown there. Uh, and they could split duty. Like, I just think there's enough data points on Dak um, to say, okay, it's time to now push him further down below, like, younger guys like Tua who are in, like, dynamic offenses, even though they, they don't rush much. You know, definitely below the upside play of Anthony Richardson who could break fantasy. And below Kyler and Watson who – you know, are younger than him and still have a little bit of that, well, Kyler, a lot, of that rushing that Dak doesn't. So it's like Dak's like that last of the bunch now. And um, I'm I'm not putting him down there with, like, Daniel Jones and Russ and Bryson Stroud yet. You know, I still value him more than them. But he certainly slid in my, in my eyes. And I probably am going to try to move off a couple shares. Yeah. So. No, I – I agree with you. We haven't ranked this. I haven't ranked one spot ahead of you in this because I have Kyler one or two spots below him. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I moved him behind Richardson, Watson. Watson is one I kind of teetered with because looking at, yeah. besides last year, Dak Prescott's been a really good quarterback. You know, 2021, he was top 10. And 2020, before he got hurt, he was first in points per game. So I mm-hmm. do think there's still talent there. But at the same time, Last year, kind of opened your eyes a little. He hasn't looked great in the preseason, so I did drop him down a little. But, yeah, yeah. I got him right where you have him. So, uh, looking in the trade streets, Dak and Njoku for Burks and two firsts. I know that we get two, you know, uh, 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 starry-eyed over first-round picks in Dynasty. Like, I, I get that. But when I look at the liquidity there and the ceiling the ceiling of Burks, I'm, I'm taking – I'm probably taking Burks in the two firsts. Obviously, if it's a if it's a team where I'm saying, okay, I really do want the points in 2023, that becomes a different story because Njoku could have a a, a good year, you know, and it, and it's a tight end premium. But I'm probably taking Burke in the two firsts there. What do you think? It really depends on what I have at quarterback mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hard for me to deal a quarterback like. That it, I do have ranked in the top 12 without getting another one back unless, yeah. you know, I've hit on some picks. Like, you got Jalen Hurts last year in, like, the fourth or fifth round because yeah. I have a few leagues where I have Lamar and Jalen Hurts as my quarterbacks. A league like that, I would do it if I still I Dak. rarely will do that. I rarely will move a quarterback of Dak's yeah. ilk so, and not get a quarterback back. So, let me let me put it this way. Let's say you have one of the guys above him. Let's say you have one of the big Anthony Richardson or something. No, not even that. Like one of the big eight that we can really trust. Like say you have Trevor Lawrence, right? Or Justin Herbert, right? Uh, And and you double tapped and got Dak. But like your quarterback three is, uh, let's see. Goff or Geno or somebody? Geno, Mac. If I had that knowing, if I had Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett. I'll I'll probably do it, but in a vacuum, I'm gonna keep Dak and Njoku, I think. Yeah. And same with the other trade you have there, I'm gonna take Dak and the two first instead of Lawrence. Yeah, that's too much for Lawrence. I did. I yeah. want. I, I wanted no, to put I, that in there because because even though I'm down on Dak, I think adding two firsts just to get Trevor Lawrence, as much as I love Trevor Lawrence, 
that's a little pricey for me. Yeah, yeah I want no, something I back on top of Lawrence there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Are we on my last one? Yeah, we're on your last one. Yeah. All right. This one, I'm still above market on, but this is just more of a temper expectations on. This Michael Pittman. I have him at 22nd, down from 16 to 18. So it's only like a four four person place drop. Going for two has him at 23. KTC has him at 31. So I think more people are down on him than I am, but I've always been a little higher. I just think a lot not having Jonathan Taylor, you know, four games, it's not as big of a deal. That's why I didn't move him down a ton. But if he somehow misses the whole year and then you have Anthony Richardson back there with Deion Jackson, like that's it's just not going to be a good, a good offense. You know, Anthony Richardson will still get his. Pittman will still get his, but I definitely think it caps his ceiling without having a big play. Cause I think defenses are really going to hone in on him and just make the Colts beat him with Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods, whoever else they have. I know I'm missing somebody. Josh Downs in the slot. But yeah, still it's a rookie. So you're obviously going to make them beat you with those guys. And I think they're going to defenses might really try and shut down Pittman and make, you know, Richardson a rookie quarterback throw or run to other young players to beat them. So I he's still really good. But I think if JT doesn't come back after four games, just temper your expectations. Let me I mean, I have him ranked fairly close to you. I think I have him at 19 or 20. Um but for me, I have him 19. For me, he's the first wide receiver in that huge tier of 1932. Let me give you why, you know, he's the, uh, let me give you the sunny picture on, on, on Pittman. So um, first of all, this is his contract year, right? So he may be somewhere else next year. And uh, a, a phrase that I, I will steal from Adam Harstead is situation changes faster than talent. Right. And so you may have to eat a somewhat, you know, murky year, but he could be somewhere really interesting in 2024. And the market is kind of down on him because of the Richardson factor. So it might be a good buy window. Now, and I think that's important to say because just because these guys are fallers doesn't mean we're not buying them. In fact, it it may mean we're buying them because they're falling. Right. Uh, in, yeah. in, in my situation with Godwin, who I'm about to do, or Rashad White, I'm not. But Pittman, I, you know, I would no, be. Yeah, I'm um, still above market, so yeah. Yeah. And the idea with Pittman for me is uh, Ben Gretsch and J.J. Zacharyson have shown that um, offenses that use a certain percentage of their pass attempts from the RPO, which they're going to run a lot in Indianapolis, yeah. right, hyper-concentrate their targets in – within a couple guys. I think Pittman's going to be one of those guys and Pittman can run a good slant, right? Oh yeah. And the thing, the thing about RPOs is that you have to account for a super dangerous quarterback like Anthony Richardson and the throw comes out quickly on a read if it's a pass. Right. And so I think that might mitigate some of the impact that we have of the other narratives, which are, you know, rookie quarterback, rushing quarterback hurts Pittman, right? I think that kind of bumps him up a little bit, you know, and kind of, you know, where, whereas maybe there's downward pressure from the rookie quarterback, rushing quarterback, not JT situation. I think there's upward pressure from the way he could be used in the Shane Steichen offense. And so I think he's going to, he's going to be heavily targeted this year, almost like Drake London in Atlanta. Right. And, and, and I think there's reason to be a little optimistic 
even for 2023, more optimistic than I think the vibes are out in the streets. Put it that way. Yeah. No, probably, probably. I mean, KTC has them at 31, Fantasy Calc at 35. Yeah, so, that, you know, that's obviously entirely we're, too low. No, yeah. I agree. You know, even if that happens, I think it it might raise this floor lower ceiling because I don't think there will be as many big play opportunities as there was when they were dropped back passing, but it will give more, especially in PPR leagues, you know, he, he might have more targets, more catches, less yards. And, you know, he's, I think he'll still get his touchdowns because he's a big body. He uses his body well. So it might just be a different profile and he might not drop off at all. So, you know, I'm trying to remember Matt Harmon had a really good thing about Pittman on the reception perception site where it was like, he suffered through Carson Wentz, who wanted to push the ball down the field too much, and Matt Ryan, who had an at that old point arm, in his career, yeah, it was like a pop gun arm, or oh, maybe yeah. it was maybe it was revert. Either way, like both of those are not good for Pittman because as much as he's you know a big boundary guy, he's not like a fast deep threat. He's an intermediate guy, right? Yeah. So neither of those quarterbacks were good for, for good for him. I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is a great intermediate passer. In fact, that's probably the weakest part of his passing game at the moment. But they're not running RPOs with Wentz and, and Matt Ryan. You don't have to worry about Wentz and Matt Ryan breaking big rushes to hurt you. So I, I think there's a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope for No, for, I, for I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, that's positive. Let's go to negative and somebody that you're going to argue with me about, uh, and that's Chris Godwin. I have been such a huge Godwin fan for so long, just really loved the talent and just thought, like, you know, I, not that he hasn't produced, but that, like, he could produce better with that talent, right? And we've seen, you know, in the years with Brady and stuff like that, the, the ADOT drop and things like that, right? But – um. Here's what we have now with, with Chris Godwin. Basically the same – some of the same reasons I hate Rashad White is because I hate the team and I hate the quarterback. Um, you know, uh, the, the team passed for over seven, 700 pass attempts last year, right? So that ain't happening with Baker Mayfield. The team ain't staying on the field that much because the offense is going to be bad. So Godwin, I, I don't know. Like, he just keeps falling and falling partly because I'm raising other guys, but I've got him now wide receiver 40, right? Excuse me. In the tier of 33 to 46, right? Um, I had him in like the early mid-30s for most of the offseason. Going for two still has him at 21. KTC is above me, but below going for two at um, 33. I forgot to update the... Um, the number on fantasy calc where, where they have him. If you could like yeah. tell me that while I'm still talking about Godwin. Mm -hmm. and, but as much as he's like risen in 30 days there, he's had big drops since May and February. Uh, he's now down in the seventh round uh, in ADP mid seven, seven Oh six at wide receiver 32. So like, you know, so KTC in the ADP streets, half him in the thirties, I'm below that, you know, at 40. Um, I just I just don't see it working out with, with Godwin. Um, I just don't see – like, so there's actually been a debate. People are saying that, you know, there's data that shows that Evans will benefit from the way that Baker plays, and there's there's data that shows that, that Godwin will benefit from the way that Baker plays. I don't know that either of them really are, are going to be 
all that all that good this year. Uh, I'm just not um, I'm just not using what I have to use to get Godwin anymore as mid seventh for ADP or in the trade streets. So um, if I look at the ADP, he's at seven oh four. Who's going around him? Uh, you know. Um, Oh, wait, the ADP updated. He's now down to 706, right? So, um, but the rolling average is 704, right? So, you know, uh, seventh round, Jordan Love, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Dalton Kincaid, Jamison Williams, Chris Godwin, Zay Flowers, Russ, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Amari Cooper, and Aaron Rodgers, right? So of those 11 guys, just eyeballing it, there's probably at least six of them that I'm taking before I want Godwin in that round. Now I'm usually <clears throat> I'm usually grabbing receivers in that round, so it probably is another receiver. I'd probably roll the dice on the rookie Zay Flowers. I would um, definitely take Dotson. You know, um, if I uh, you know I think Russ is kind of a value still at seven oh eight. So if I still didn't have a quarterback by then, I would take that. If I was in the market for a running back, I'd take Sanders above him. I'd take Amari Cooper before I took him. So I'm just. The only thing that's helping Godwin right now lately is Evan's injury and the contract dispute, right? So <clears throat> if Evans gets traded because of this contract dispute early in the year, it could be a situation where we saw, and again, I'm not comparing them as players, but just the analogy of Amon Ra toward the end of his rookie season when like Hawk and Swift and everybody was out, he was the only guy there and he ate, right? Um, and so it could be that it could be that, you know, if Evans gets traded, the, the offense continues to tank even worse and it's bad for Godwin. But like, that's the only hope I have now for Godwin is that is that Evans is getting dinged a little bit and I have him ranked even lower. You said you're going to push back on Godwin. Tell me why I'm too low on him. Yeah, I am just a little bit because I do see, you know, the scenario where that happens. But when it comes to the person, I think that's going to benefit that offense. I let talent play out, and I think Godwin's just a better all-around receiver. Mm. Uh, you know, Evans has been really good. You know, he's got a thousand yards every year, but he has been more boom bust. And I mm -hmm. think when Godwin's healthy, I just think he's the better receiver. And I think he's fully healthy. I think he's gonna be, you know, a better safety blanket. You know, I think he's just gonna be a safer target. And in that offense, I just want volume. And with the Evans stuff going on, I think Godwin just offers that. Okay. So that's it. I have a 20, I have one spot ahead of Dotson. So honestly, in a startup, I might take Dotson ahead because it's so close, but I still, I'm still pretty high on him just because I think he's going to be the one that, uh, he's going to get the most targets on if the team. If I had a team of guys who I am worried I might be too low on and or guys I hope I'm too low on because I like Godwin, Godwin would probably be on that team. Yep. Right. But, um, Okay, let me read you my tier, right? It's 33 to 46, right? So um, Marvin Mims. I have Godwin higher. Okay. Zay Flowers. I love Zay Flowers, but I still have Godwin higher. QJ. Godwin. Wow. Amari Cooper. Uh, Godwin by like four or five spots. Um, I love this one. George Pickens. Uh, Godwin. See, the thing about the thing with Pickens is like I'm not a big Pickens fan, just like you're not a big Pickens fan. I just think the arrow is up enough on him and the arrow's down enough uh, on Godwin that you know yeah. you know, yeah. you know, Damien, someone in our league, I sent him a trade offer for Pickens, actually. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought about sending one for Gabe Davis just to, yeah. If I'm wrong, you know, I, I at least want to have a share or two. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, Godwin. I could see that being close, right? I only have Lockett two spots ahead I mean, of he, him. Lockett's, Lockett's, Lockett's 31. On. There's a chance that he's not, you know, he's not in that offense next year and there's some uncertainty there. So, you yeah. know, but but I, I do I do think Lockett is is a safer bet. Uh, TMC, Terry McLaurin um, with turf toe. I got McLaurin at the end of that big tier. Yeah. So, All right. so, so, but you, so you have. Him. I've got one over all those. I've got one at 20, oh, okay. 22. So then you have him over Elijah Moore. Yep. I have him over Watson, Ridley. Uh, Christian Watson. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I, that's just, I think he's, I think he's a pretty safe, uh, yeah, maybe this is showing a lot about how I'm starting to play Dynasty, getting safer guys as opposed to like. So maybe I'll just turn into an old man now that I hit thirty, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to risk it on these young, on these young bucks. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, I feel you. Um, all right, so in the trade streets, Chris Godwin, uh, straight up for Addison. I found that one surprising. Depending, you know, if I had a young, if I had a young core. I would I would swing Addison, but you know if I have an older team, I'm definitely trying to win now. I would lean Godwin, but I'm mostly still smashing mostly Addison, Addison on that. Like, like I mean, he he is sitting into a pretty good role in Minnesota. Adam Thielen ran the second most routes in the NFL last yeah. year. Um, let's say that the offense you know has 10 percent fewer pass attempts than they did last year, and let's say the first couple weeks they're relying a little bit more on KJ Osborne than Adam. I just think Addison is just going to be, yeah. you know, he's going to eat in that offense. Um, I agree. Godwin and Zeke for Olave. No, I'm smashing Olave. Yeah. That's not really even particularly close. Zeke means nothing to me in Dynasty at this point. Yeah. It was weird, right? Like, yeah. That's... I have I have some concerns about Olave, but I still have, I, I still would, would take yeah. Olave there. Yeah. Um, Honestly, better production at a much younger age. So already. Well, we started with, with JT. Let me give you my honorable mention of Austin Eckler um, as far as a faller goes. And I think I want to I talk about him just a little bit because I've been an Eckler defender. My, my spiel about Eckler has been he's not the typical 27 or 28-year-old running back because so much of his production comes from the passing game. He's not taking a pounding with a lot of rushes, although he is their best goal line guy, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I'd still believe that, that, that that's true, right? Um, but... I knocked him down from like five, six, somewhere around there. And I have him now at eight. And what's interesting is uh, Kellen Moore uh, is uh, the offensive coordinator now. And you would think, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's good for, for Eckler. Yes and no. So um, I saw this great video that Underdog did with Colt McCoy, um, you know, breaking down what Kellen Moore does. And Kellen Moore has this phrase of like, aggressively take what the defense gives you. It's kind of weird, right? Like it's counterintuitive, like aggression, but take what they give you. And so it can lead to a lot of passes for Austin Eckler. But uh, uh, JJ Zacharyson in his, um, one of his email newsletters uh, looked at the target shares for Eckler when certain players were on the field. Right. So like, when Mike Williams was on, like his his target share when neither Mike Williams or Keenan Allen were on were on the field was like huge, right? And then it dropped with Mike Williams. It dropped with when Keenan Allen was playing, and it dropped big. 
time, like 10 percentage points uh, to when they're both on the field, right? And now you add QJ in there and uh, an offensive coordinator that as much as he aggressively takes what the defense gives you does want to push it down the field probably from what we know of his offenses. I think it's bad news for Eckler. So I think that guarantee of Eckler being like a redraft, like R, like top three R, RB, I don't see it this year, right? So, you know, as much as I've been a defender, I probably would want to move off some of my shares. I don't know how many I even have, but not much left. But if it's not in a situation where I'm, I'm competing, I am immediately moving off Austin Eckler. No, I agree. Without, you know, without his rushing upside, he's never rushed for a thousand yards. Uh, his most carries is 206, which is decent. He's relied on touchdowns and receptions the last few years. So, yeah, if QJ comes in and, you know, demands targets too, it, I agree. That's a, you know, he's not, he's not, you're not drafting him for his rushing yards like you are Nick Chubb. And so, yeah. Uh, hold on one sec. I just want to pull up the number because I think it's really striking. Uh, hold on one second. I know this is compelling uh, entertainment for people. Uh, but Jimmy, get Austin Eckler. All right. So let's see. Um, his uh, without both uh, Williams and Keenan, his target share per game was twenty-seven point six. That's like huge for a running back, right? Water when Al- yeah, when Allen played, but Williams didn't, it was twenty-two point six, right? When Williams played, but Allen didn't, it was 20.3, right? So, like, you know, because I guess, you know, if you have that downfield target, you're going to use it. But when both wideouts were active, 12.9% target share per game. So that's, you know, almost 15 whole percentage points per game, you know, uh, of target share down when both of them are on the field. Now, of course, you can't bake injury into your predictions but we do know that they have trouble staying on the field so that may not be an issue but i think all that you know combined with how kellen moore wants to push it down the field i just i it's not very not looking very good for austin eckler no i agree all right well that just about does it for our uh off-season fallers episode uh please make sure you subscribe rate and review on the going for two live podcast audio feed Uh, Please make sure you subscribe, like, comment, notifications, all that jazz here on the YouTube channel. Feed the algorithm. All right. Uh, So uh, time for plugs. Josh, what do you got going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rotonaut, R-O-T-O-N-A-U-T. And mainly I've been tweeting about Ronald Acuna breaking baseball history this year. Uh, He's the first player to hit 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases in a season. And baseball has been around over 150 years. So anytime something's never been done, it's, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, that's going on. Uh, You can find my rankings, uh, especially redraft rankings. I'll have those up this next week on going for two.com. Okay. I, I, I never, I would, I would have expected that somebody would have done that by now. Well, some of the rule changes, you know, they made bases a little bigger, less pickoffs, but still no one's even close to him in these stats. So Mm. it definitely does help, but he's also 25 years old and amazing. Yeah. I, one of the, I I left, um, I had two keeper baseball leagues that I left a couple, well, like maybe a year and a half ago by now, because it's just, 
I don't have the time for it with yeah. all this football it's, stuff. It's a lot. One of them I had um, Acuna and Vlad, I think. Yeah. Oof. That'd, be a, that'd be a good team. Yeah. Whoever you gave that team to is doing well. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, all right, so you can find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore. I might actually change my Twitter handle. I've been thinking about that lately. Um, I don't know. Well, another conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, rankings and articles on goingfor2.com. I might dabble in uh, weekly uh, re- redraft rankings this year. We'll see. We'll see what, what the schedule is like. Uh, but goingfor2.com has everything you need. Going for two uh, live on the YouTube channel it has like a podcast, a show pretty much every day of the week. Uh, we're going to have our Sunday show coming back this season. Hop in our discord. Uh, you can find a link to that in a little purple thing on the bottom right of going for two.com. Uh, there's all sorts of channels. It's free um, DFS best ball. I think there's some betting, obviously dynasty. Some of our shows have a channel like us. It's, it's great. It's huge. There's a lot of great advice and questions and conversations uh, going on there, so please hop in. Next week, I'm not sure what we're doing. Maybe bold predictions. We'll see. Uh, yeah. But in two weeks, uh, we will have uh, Jacob uh, Sanderson. We'll be talking about uh, the lovely running back landscape in Dynasty Fantasy Football. I guess lovely is a word for it. Uh, but for now, uh, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Go Irish. And, and go Ronald Acuna. Yeah, that's um, just very impressive. He's is he a junior, right? He's a junior, isn't he? Like Ronald Acuna Jr., right? Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Making pop up crowd. Hey!